Thank you for downloading the Beacon Church podcast. We hope that you enjoy today's message and that you find that God speaks to you through it. called Gavin Peacock come in to stay for a couple of days. Um, he's a, a, a pastor in Canada, uh, but he used to be a professional footballer here. And uh, he and I used to play for Chelsea and other clubs just while we, when we were a bit younger. Um, <laughs> well, he did. I didn't do that. And he's, he's here for about two days and he's doing various ministry things around uh, with us. He's meeting with some of our elders. Um, and he's also going to be speaking... Uh, not this Tuesday, but Tuesday week at um, St Paul's after our food bank, um, after the food bank there. Oh, thank you, thank you, Don. Yeah, I'll take the water. He's going to be speaking at our a Food for the Soul special. Food for the Soul was um, a service we were running every Tuesday lunchtime after food bank. We don't do it every lunchtime now, but we will be doing it on the 11th of October, and we've asked Gavin just to come and share there. So if you're around in the day on Tuesday and, and you want to uh, either just come along to support, that would be great. Or if you want to bring someone, I've, I've encouraged him to aim it at people who either are not yet believers or new believers um, on that Tuesday at St Paul's, then you'd be more than welcome to come. It will be from, probably you want to get there from about quarter to one, St Paul's Church, where we run the food bank, at the end of the food bank, uh, Gavin will be speaking there. So I just wanted to mention that. <clears throat> As you know, um, oh, yeah, the other thing I just wanted to mention, I've seen Simi and Ibby. <laughs> so they got married, they went on honeymoon, and they're back at church. So it's wonderful. So welcome back, Simi and Ibby. And I heard Simi talking, he's clearly relaxed and happy. And uh, it's good, it's good. So uh, <laughs> it's nice to see you both. Um, I, I don't know, but I do. So I do. Yeah, yeah. So I think about things like that. Um, so um, uh, we are doing a series at the moment, you'll know, on um, the village. We called it It Takes a Village. And uh, last week I kind of opened up in a very deep way, but that's just the way it works with me. It takes that part of what it takes to build the village. And when we talk about the village, what we mean is the... Um, we're talking about the church as a community and how God puts into the church various, uh, I suppose, principles and promises and truths. And out of that, we build a community. And the reality that everywhere people build community, whether or not it's a village or somewhere else. Um, and we talked last week about the importance of gospel humility in the village and that that was fundamental to Jesus' acts was his, his ability to be humble, his ability to do what God had asked him to do, the Father had asked him to do, and not to do his own thing. And in Philippians 2, it, it talks about each of us should not only look out for our own, own interests, but also for the interests of others. And that's a fundamental truth for us, and that God is seeking to build something with his people. <clears throat> it is wonderful that the gospel goes broader than just the Christian, 
But, but God is doing something quite particular with the Christians when he brings them together because it shows the world something of him. So last week we talked about that. Um, this week we're taking an ever so slight change. We're still onto the village. And um, you may not know this, but at the, what, one of the, um, I suppose, prompts, one of the encouragements to do this series on, on the village was the, the African proverb, it takes a village to raise a child. Uh, this idea that everything gets done in community, really. Um, but another prompt behind it was, was Jen. Jen Holden, who's like the church administrator, works in the office. And she really had um, a, a real heart for this, this idea of the village. And so what I've asked her to do today is just to come and share a bit of that with us. So uh, Jen's going to come. Uh, you do know this, Jen, don't you? So it's not like... <laughs> So um, maybe we'll get Jen another water. She doesn't want my water. Um, is that all right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, what I'm going to do, I'm just going to pray, and then Jen's going to share with us. Father, we thank you for your grace and your mercy. Uh, we thank you, God, that already this morning you've spoken so specifically about love and about your love for us and our love for you. And, Father, you've also encouraged and kind of challenged us to open our hearts to receive as much of your love as is possible as you want to give and so I pray this morning as as Jen shares her heart um, that we will have open hearts to receive all that you want to give us through her words in Jesus name amen okay. yeah I'm just really grateful for this opportunity to share my heart around the village um so yeah, I thought I'd title it, It Takes a Village to Build the Church. Um, a village is made up of a community. Villages exist in various forms all over the world. Sometimes they're geographical, and the people in them look after each other, literally because they live in the same place. Sometimes they're based on a common interest, and the people in them are drawn together because they share similar views and outlooks on life. Sometimes they're made up of families who grow together and draw the occasional outsider into their community. The village we're talking about, however, looks similar and yet different to the others. We share a common interest, a love for our King, Jesus Christ, and we do our best to love the people in our local vicinity, although our love and prayers extend to our brothers and sisters all over the world. It starts with love. And I love that our worship this morning and Avi's prayer was just, yeah, God's definitely doing something here. Um, 1 John 4:19 says, we love each other because he loved us first. That love we have for each other literally could not exist without Christ first loving us. 1 John 4:8 states, but anyone who does not love God does not know God, for God is love. Just a glance at a newspaper headline or social media newsfeed is testimony that the world is without love. There is a love drought. The world needs to know the truth. To love others, we must first love God, the one who makes it all possible. Paul writes in Romans 8 verse 38, And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither fears for today, nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. To be loved that much, that nothing, not a single thing can separate you from that love, how amazing is that? 
I don't know about you, but I'd want to know as much as possible about the giver of that love. It's clearly unconditional and without agenda. It's clearly important as it occurs in a number of places throughout the Bible. This command, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength, can be found in Deuteronomy, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Jesus then goes on to say, love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. This is the base on which to lay the foundations of our village. It starts with love. Love from God, which becomes love for God, which then flows into love for our neighbours. Just like family, we don't get to choose who our neighbours are. We don't choose who to love. It's clear we have to love everyone. And how do we love? It's not always straightforward. Maybe we weren't loved well as children. Maybe we don't know what unconditional love looks like. Whatever your struggles are, the Bible has the answers and Jesus shows perfectly how to overcome them. We read in Ephesians 5 verse 2 that we should live a life filled with love, following the examples of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. We should do all we can to live this way, to seek God daily, to make sure that we smell good to God. Another example of God's character is shown here in Psalms 86, verse 15. But you, O Lord, are a God of compassion and mercy, slow to get angry, and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. The more I read about God, his character, and his love, the more I want to be like him. Our village isn't restricted to the church we belong to. Christians are the church. The church is not a building. As we grow to know and love him, we discover that our love for those around us grows as well. And it's not just those who are physically with us. We feel sympathy and empathy for our brothers and sisters all over the globe. Persecuted Christians, the marginalised, etc., they are our family. And we need to see them as such. As a church, we should model to those outside what loving others looks like. Loving others is clearly close to God's heart. It's mentioned so many times throughout the Bible... Something I've learned over the years is that when God feels the need to repeat something, we need to pay attention. There is something special about loving fellow believers, something intrinsically Christian in looking after brothers and sisters in Christ. 1 John 5 verse 2 says, We know we love, sorry, we know we love God's children if we love God and obey his commandments. And then 1 John 4 verse 20 to 21 says, if someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people we can see, how can we love God whom we cannot see? And he has given us this command. Those who love God must also love their fellow believers. Jesus modelled this to us perfectly when he chose the 12 disciples, 12 men from different walks of life, some of whom were natural enemies, but he brought them all together. He loved them. He spent time with them and encouraged them to do the same. There was often conflict within the group. It took time for them to see each other as brothers. It wasn't really until Jesus left the Holy Spirit with them that they got in. It was only after that that their faith grew. Their eyes were open to things they had previously been blind to, despite living with Jesus for the past three years. Once they had the Holy Spirit, the church grew and multiple lives were saved. The village cannot work properly without the Holy Spirit. 
Without him, we'd be doing it in our own strength. It won't look any different to any other village or community. Romans 5 verse 5 gives us this commandment, sorry, encouragement rather. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Loving each other isn't all flowers and blue skies. It's real and hard and it takes effort. We need to be prepared for conflict, for differences of opinion, for hardened hearts. And we need to respond with love. Some people are harder to love than others. I've been that person, that hard to love, hard to reach person. It can be painful both being that person and trying to reach out to that person. But God has literally commanded it. We shouldn't pick and choose who we love. We should love because he tells us to. For example, in 2 John 1 verse 6, we're told that love means doing what God has commanded us. And he has commanded us to love one another, just as you heard from the beginning. And then, just as we're about to feel the burden of that command, for example, how am I meant to love so-and-so? They don't even like me. Or, we don't have anything in common, etc. We're reminded in 1 John 5 verse 3 that loving God means keeping his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. Jesus offers to help us carry our burdens in Matthew 11 verse 28 to 29. Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. Paul offers so much encouragement to the church in his letters. In 2 Thessalonians 1 verse 13, he says, Dear brothers and sisters, we can't help but thank God for you, because your faith is flourishing, and your love for one another is growing. And 2 Corinthians 13 verse 11, Dear brothers and sisters, I close my letter with these last words. Be joyful grow to maturity, encourage each other, live in harmony and peace, then the God of love and peace will be with you. And 1 Thessalonians 1 verse 3, as we pray to our God and Father about you, we think of your faithful work, your loving deeds, and the enduring hope you have because of Lord Jesus Christ. And Colossians 2 verse 2, I want them to be encouraged and knit together by strong ties of love. I want them to have complete confidence that they understand God's mysterious plans, which is Christ himself. And 2 Corinthians 13 verse 14. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. It's important to see the big picture and remember why we're doing what we're doing. 1 John 4 verse 17 says, And as we live in God... Our love grows more perfect, so we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. When we love each other well as a community, it affects the wider community and people take notice. Colossians 1 verse 4, for example, For we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all God's people. And Philemon? Philemon? Anyone? Philemon, okay. 1 verse 5 because I keep hearing about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people we don't do it to be noticed but generally people will notice our behaviour whether we like it or not 
let's be careful to love each other well and to bear witness of our love to Jesus. Joshua 23.11 tells us to be very careful to love the Lord your God. Loving others is the best way to show God to them, not necessarily intellectual or theological discussions. For example, 1 John 4 verse 12 says, No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us, and his love is brought to full expression in us. The village and what we're trying to achieve is perfectly summed up in 1 John. So now we can tell who are children of God and who are children of the devil. Anyone who does not live righteously and does not love other believers does not belong to God. Love one another. This is the message you have heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let's show, our, show this in truth by our actions. Our actions will show that we belong to the truth, so we will be confident when we stand before God. Even if we feel guilty, God is greater than our feelings, and he knows everything. So now we have the base, the foundation of our village. How do we build from here? We make sure that no one is left behind. We look after each other. We look out for those on the edge and bring them in. We encourage each other and build each other up. We pray for each other. We remind each other of God's goodness to us, of his sacrifice, of his grace and mercy. We remind each other why we're here and why we're doing this. We laugh together, we cry together, we eat together, we share life. We need to get past our British awkwardness. And this is coming from someone who's very British and awkward generally. <laughs> we need to open up to each other, be vulnerable, be ourselves and take off our masks. The early church is part of our heritage. The village way of life is shown here in Acts 2, verse 42 to 47. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshipped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Shall I pray? Okay, let's pray. Father, I just want to thank you. Thank you for your perfect love for us. Thank you that without, yeah, with your love we can love each other. And Lord, I pray for Beacon and this community and I thank you for the family atmosphere that we have here. I pray for deeper relationships within the church, that they'd be good and edifying. And I pray that we would embody this village life and be a blessing to those around us. Amen. Thank you, Jen. Just a couple of thoughts that I had when I knew Jen was going to talk on that. And there's a couple of phrases that she used that I wanted to just pick up. She talked about no one should be left behind. And I think when I first think about no one should be left behind, 
I think about people who are on the edge of the church who, as we move forward, don't get left behind um, as the church goes forward. But then I realise that no one left behind is not necessarily talking about people who are on the edge. I remember hearing the story of, I've never read the book, of Hudson Taylor. And Hudson Taylor was a missionary who went to China, and I think he began... Uh, the China Inland Mission, which was like the first big mission reorganization, I think, in the world at that time. And one of the things that inspired him uh, was he lived in Brighton, he used to walk Brighton Beach, but one of the things that he talks about inspired him was he was in a church where there were thousands of people with their hands raised celebrating their salvation. And he couldn't help but wonder about the millions of people that were dying in their sin. I remember reading a book about a church in the the north of England where when it opened its doors to the poor and the lost, half of the church left. The moment it opened its doors to people who were not like those who were in the room, half of those who were in the room left. We often pray for Uh, the lost to come in we often are desiring of people to join us for the church to grow and I imagine if I asked us none of us would say no I don't want the church to grow I would love the church to grow I'd love to see new people join us yet the reality of new people joining us is often more difficult than we imagine because because around us the people that might join are not necessarily like us And God has created before us this wonderful opportunity to build a village. But it's not a village that's exclusive, that's just about us. It is exclusive in the sense that Jesus is the centre of the village (coughs) and his love is at the heart of the village. But it's a village that anyone could really join. Built on the foundations of humility and love as we see them in Christ. It's a foundation which God promises will set an example and people will be drawn in. You see, mission, evangelism, is more than a story. It's more than a set of beliefs. It's a community. It's a people. It's a village. We, God has given us some wonderful opportunities here. We have found favour in a school and it is really bizarre how... The school are helping us with our stay and play. And I know on Friday, for the first time, we had some school mums at the stay and play. Last week, we celebrated five years, or this week actually, of of running a food bank in Norwood and Brixton. In the last nine, ten months, John, who's the cat debt centre manager, has seen some 33 clients three of whom have gone debt-free, numbers of whom come to church. John has been described by some as an angel. Yeah, John Taylor has been described as an angel. Whilst our stay and play, the vision for that is really, I would say, in the heart of Emma Gould and a few people around her. Without John Taylor, stay and play would never have happened. Just as as a single guy, he'd seen something that he thought, we've got to try and do this. We've got to make this happen. And through that, we've seen people 
come to church. God has given us wonderful opportunities. I suppose my question is, will we embrace them? Or will, as the church grows with people who are not like us, some of us get left behind? Because we've not been able to embrace the kind of village that God wants us to have. That church, which I described earlier, where half the congregation left, it wasn't a small church, and it wasn't an old church. It would have been a similar kind of church to our church. It had 600 people in it. The moment they opened the doors, 300 of them left. Fact, that's what happened. That's what the pastor says happened. As the church then, the church then grew in a completely different way and, and people had to embrace things differently. And I have observed, even in my own experience, as the church I was part of previously, as it grew, some people who were at the centre began to get left behind. I don't want that to happen here. And the way that that doesn't happen is for us ourselves to recognise God's church might not look anything like I want it to look. It might not meet every need I feel I have. But actually, there is a part of church which is about meeting your needs and there's another part of church which is not about meeting your needs. It's a much, much bigger thing than that. And so I'm, my encouragement to us from that very, really, almost pure appeal from Jen is will we embrace what God is doing? Will we invest in what God is doing? Or will we miss it? There's always a challenge. Will we miss it? Because we're pursuing our own comfort, our own independent lives, and because church hasn't become what we thought it ought to be. As Jen described, the village is nothing like we can kind of do ourselves it requires a lot of hard work it requires sacrifice it requires humility but what it could become is amazing and what it could become in a place like this is amazing one of the things about this school that we are linked with is the other thing they've given us an opportunity to do is we're doing assemblies next week not not this coming week we're doing assemblies the following week here uh, for food bank and again, they are, they're the ones saying, oh, yeah, we'd love you to come. We'd love you to come. We've been given favour. In this school, there's quite a large uh, Somalian population. They're not like us. Yeah? They won't look like us. They won't sound like us. They won't have backgrounds like us. But we do have something that will potentially draw people in. And the question is, are we going to be ready to embrace it when it happens? The idea of it, ideally, is really nice, it's really great. The reality of it, oh, it's, it's a little bit more uncomfortable than I thought. My prayer and my encouragement is that we do not give up on it. That we do not drift to the edge because things are getting a little bit different. Because things appear a little bit more tricky. Because logistically, it's no longer as... And it's not, I'm not even saying it's really smooth, but it's not even as smooth as it was. Will we embrace it? Will you embrace the church that God has placed you in, despite the fact that it's not the church you would have chosen? Will you do that? Will we do that? And will we 
in our own minds and hearts win the battles that we have about what we think the church should be like. Because we all have them. I have them. Battles about the church should be like this and it should be like that and why isn't it doing this and why is it doing that? Will I win those battles in order to build the church that God has placed me in? So we're going to uh, finish. We're going to do a song. I don't know what song we're going to do, Sarah, but I'll let Sarah come up and decide uh, what song. But we're going to finish just with, with a song and then maybe we'll just pray together um, because we do feel that this idea of the village can help us build the kind of church that God would have us build, which might be different to the kind of church that you or I would build. But it will be different to that. So why don't we stand together? When we prayed this morning, I had this 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 sort of word, um, and I just I just felt like um, it's in church. It's really easy to have a, a temptation to withdraw, um, you know, to fear being hurt, to fear feeling in, inadequate, um, and sometimes that temptation of withdrawing is so attractive and you need to look at the the pain that makes that temptation so attractive because God calls you to belonging he calls you to belong you know he calls you to be part of of a family that he's created and and it's important to take responsibility and and look at those things inside you that that makes that temptation to withdraw not to engage or to take a back seat um, and to bring that to God, and um, as we as we sing that, this song, let's let's try to do that in in our hearts. Amen. You have just listened to a Beacon Church recording. If you would like more information about us, our vision, the team, or upcoming events, please visit our website, which is beacon-church.org. You can email us at office at beacon-church.com or find us socially on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. You are welcome to share this recording as you wish, but please do not make any edits without express consent. Thank you.